This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who immediately understood every single reference in the Ariana Grande Thank You Next video. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the age-old question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2004's 13 Going on 30, starring Jennifer Garner. Jenna Rink couldn't grow up fast enough. Smile, sweetie. Don't you knock. Are you wearing a bra? You're not ready Dad, for a Dad, stop taping. So on her 13th birthday... Dad. Check this out. Wishing dust. She only made one wish. I hate being 13. I just want to be grown up. And she woke up... 17 years later. So obviously today is a very special occasion here on the pod because we are not using Zoom. We are here in the flesh in person. If you're watching the YouTube version, you are seeing... Audrey just reached across and clutched me. Uh, you can see that we are, in fact, in my living room with a uh, concepted setup here. Uh, shout out to our uh, interim production director, Josh Perlman Hall, for the assist here. Um, but yeah, Audrey's in Ohio. So here we are. We exist in the same dimension. Yeah. And we're not precisely in hallway studios the way that we used to be. Now we are just... squad. Yeah, we decided to not, uh, sweat today. As much. As much. We will still sweat. Still hot. There's still no AC. Yeah. But you know what? It's okay. So we're talking about a very significant movie today, uh, in the world of the canon of the movies that we like to talk about on Sleepover Cinema. And we have many facts and, uh, things to discuss. Uh, surrounding this movie but before we get into that uh get your emotional security water bottle or whatever (laughs) and do a cheers (laughs) with us we have these really intricate pink chalices if you're just listening like yes and we are uh you should know we're having a little sunday night uh (laughs) (laughs) having a little uh drinking discussion here That was the sound of plastic clinking, in case you could hear that. Anyway. I feel refreshed. I know, it's kind of warm, though. (laughs) And we'll have more cold later. Okay. Are we ready to get into the facts here? Never been more ready in my life. All right. So, 13 Going on 30 was released in theaters on April 23rd, 2004. A very big year for our canon, and we will come back to that later on during the gossip section. This movie was directed by Gary Winnick. 
who passed away in 2011 uh, due to circumstances I am not familiar with because I uh, got these notes together rather quickly today. (laughs) But he, uh, in our world, he was known for directing the live-action Charlotte's Web, Bride Wars, Mm -hmm. and Letters to Juliet, which I've never seen, but have you seen that? I think I did see it. I think I randomly saw it in, it might have been middle school. It came out in 2009, so middle yeah. school would so make yeah, sense. So yeah, I think I did see it. I think my one friend was really ready Yeah, for it. Amanda Seyfried was in it. Yeah. So that's a moment. Actually, I think I might have might have mm-hmm. seen that movie. And I immediately forgot everything, obviously, yep. but like that could be in this genre for it sure. It could. Yeah. We'll file that away under like the third to fourth string of movies <laughs> that we will cover on this show. <laughs> So, okay, Gary directed this movie. Uh, The movie was produced and written by a uh, husband-wife duo by the names of Josh Goldsmith and Kathy Yuspa. They were known primarily around this time for running King of Queens. They were the showrunners of that show, which it took me so long to understand, like, what that title meant because I didn't know that Queens was a place until, like, college. Isn't that at Leah Remini? I think so, Yeah, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. So they ran that show. They also worked on Till Death and the Mighty Ducks TV show. So good for them. Interesting. <laughs> and they also wrote the movie What Men Want. Have you seen that movie? Or is that a show? Um, I think it's it a movie. It doesn't sound like something I would watch. Because <laughs> we're not interested in what men not want. Not interested. It's true. <laughs> we're not interested in what men want. Okay. So um, like who hears that name and is like. It's like me. Pick me. Yes. You know, there are people out there that are like that. Right. I know that. And like, we've all probably fallen victim to some sort of, I don't know, YouTube recommended video in the past. Oh my God. Yes. That's like along those lines. Do you ever watch Mrs. Midwest? No, but I, I I don't watch, but I know exactly who that is. Okay. I fell down that rabbit hole for a while and I was never like, let me become a traditional homemaking wife, but. It's just for the, for the entertainment value. It's really entertaining. How, um. It's like a parallel universe. Right. Yeah. But she did have one thing that I liked the idea of. (laughs) What? Which is she had this thing where she was like, every night you should put your kitchen to bed. Meaning like make sure like your dishes are done and shit. Okay. That's just like human being stuff. Okay. Yeah. But I don't have a dishwasher. So it's like a whole thing to have everything done. Okay, so you know what it means then. Yes, I do. The level of struggle that is. So, okay. The one thing I want to take away from Mrs. Midwest is the ability to put my kitchen to bed in the evening. It's so weird to I know, say. I know. Anyway, uh, let's get into this plot synopsis. Yes. We are passing a laptop back and forth for let's our notes. Let's get into it. All right, here's the plot synopsis. A girl who's sick of the social structures of junior high is transformed into a grown-up overnight. In this feel-good fairy tale, teenager Jenna wants a boyfriend, and when she's unable to find one, she fantasizes about being a well-adjusted adult. Suddenly, her secret desire becomes a reality, and she is transformed into a 30-year-old. But adulthood, with its own set of male-female challenges, isn't as easy as it looks. Male female challenges. When I put that one in there, I'm like, she's gonna love that male female challenges. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. Um, I think they were just trying to like use fancy wording somehow, and yeah, it's right. like that I wasn't it. Like, romantic struggles, right. or something. Exactly. And then taglines we have two. The first one is for some, thirteen feels like it was just yesterday. For Jenna, it was. 
That's pretty good. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that is good. I liked that one. And then the second one is the generic marketing one. A comedy for the kid in all of us. Mm-mm. Not true. It's not true. Why is it not true? I just don't think everybody it's would not like a film this for movie. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, okay. Eh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think as far as, you know, if we're talking about like Legally Blonde, 13 Going on 30, Mean Girls, like the, the list. Yes. The list. Yes. I do think 13 Going on 30 is more inclusive than other movies. Yes, I agree. So maybe they have a point here. Maybe. We're going to find out. We will find out. That is absolutely true. Okay, so now we're going to get into the cast. And I asked Audrey her opinion on this as I was compiling everything because I was like, are there like three characters in this movie or am I just remembering wrong? And she confirmed that there are essentially three characters. When you really come down to it. Yeah. So, of course, we have not Julia Roberts, but Jennifer (laughs) Gardner as Jenna Rink in this movie. Really like the crown jewel of the entire affair. And for us, sort of what she's best known for, well, for obviously 13 Going on 30 is like one of the big ones, but she was also the um, like wife, mom in Juno. Yeah. Which, do you remember who the husband was in that movie? Mm -hmm. I feel like it was someone like Paul Rudd or Mark Ruffalo, but it wasn't. Uh, do you want me to look it up? Yeah. I'm curious. I, w- I would actually love to rewatch Juno. Yeah, that Juno would be a, good, is a one. good one. That would be a good one. Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. Okay. We were pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good cast. Honestly, watching that again now as not teenagers would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. We should do that. Yeah. Would you guys be interested in Juno? Because it is a little bit. It's, it's era wise, it's right. It actually came out the same year as this yeah. movie. Yeah, I feel but like it's more indie. It's 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 a more indie vibe than we. Yeah, but I feel it. like it's the same thing as like a Napoleon Dynamite, but like more like woman targeted sort yeah. of. Um, shit. Now I really want to rewatch that. Okay. Juno has now been added to the mental list. So, okay, we have that. And then next up, we have Mark Ruffalo as Matt Flamhalf, I guess is his character's (laughs) last name. Um, He's also very beloved in this movie. But other than that, he is the Hulk in The Avengers. Weird casting choice. I could not tell you that if someone put a gun to my head. Yeah, I I think I knew that deep down somewhere inside, but I didn't really know until I was compiling it. I didn't tell you. Yeah. Um, Uh... He was in The Kids Are All Right, which mm-hmm. I don't really know why people like that movie. I had to watch that in film school. I think I did, too. Yeah. It was, uh, I think it was for writing. That, yeah. that was, like, the reason for watching. Yeah. Um, yeah, people it's love just, that it's movie. It's just, like, white people in a house. Yeah, and lesbians. So they're like, ooh. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, oh, yeah. That's isn't true. it that it's, like, a lesbian couple and then, like, the ex-husband and or something? Kids that are yeah. all right. I, it seems like they're all right. They were. It turns out. <laughs> this, you would never know from the title. <laughs> you know, for a second, we thought they weren't. But then they kind of were. You know, <laughs> what they say about the movies, you need to know when you're able to go home or whatever, is when you find out that the kids are all right. All right. He was also uh, in The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Not The Eternal Sunshine. The just eternal. eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> And then next up, we have Judy Greer as Lucy Wyman. Lucy is like Jenna's best friend, I'm pretty sure. Uh, She was in Jurassic World in 2015. She was also like a BFF role in 27 Dresses, which came out the same year as this movie. So 
she had her niche, you know. At least she had that going for her. And I'd she be happy with that. Yeah. She was an ant man. Okay, that's off, but all right. It was after this era. Um, And then lastly, I wasn't going to include this person, but Audrey told me that I should because she's like relevant on TikTok, I guess. Uh, We have Krista B. Allen, who plays young Jenna in the first part of the movie. Mm -hmm. She was on the TV show Revenge, um, and she's in this movie, and she has some other credits that are mostly like films or like small things and yeah i don't know i don't think her acting career is necessarily that big but yeah for some reason i see her on my for you page all the time and people just like eat it up i mean it's the same thing like with rivka yeah they're so here which i get i obviously i fall victim to this all the time yeah but yeah and now so now i feel like she kind of just has like an influencer thing going on yeah aside from that yeah that makes sense Okay, so that's our cast. I know it's not a lot, and I'm sure that after we, we re-watch... We're going to think... After we re-watch it, we'll be like, oh shit, we should have included more people because we are actually going to break in the middle and watch the movie tonight, which is really ambitious considering that it's already 9.36 p.m. This but is a genuine episode. This is like a vintage. This is like a season one style episode, yeah. basically. Um, but anyway, Audrey, take us through these numbers. All right. Taking you to school. Please do. <laughs> so the budget for 13 going on 30 was $37 million. Box office opening weekend was $21,054,238. So, okay. That's pretty good. I think that at that point they'd be like, all right, nice. Like, we're, yeah. we're definitely going to make our money back. The overall worldwide gross was $97,658,712. I would say... <laughs> They're doing all right. Yes. The kids are all right. The kids are all right. <laughs> That's going to be a thing from now on. <laughs> the kids are financially sound. <laughs> um, the kids are making back their investment. Yes. Times four or whatever. Yes. And as for critical opinions, there is a 65% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Not bad. Pretty good. Not bad for what we're used to. Yes. And the critical consensus is, although the plot leaves a lot to be desired, 13 going on 30 will tug at your inner teenager's heartstrings, thanks in large part to a dazzling performance from Jennifer Garner. Absolutely accurate. Yes. Kind of like how sometimes you'll watch a Lindsay Lohan movie and you're like, the only thing holding that together is Lindsay. Yes. Kind of similar. Like, get a clue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a bare skeleton, but they're making up most of it. Yes. Um, And then we've got two critic opinions here. The first one is from Dalton Ross of Entertainment Weekly. He says, yes, it's just a female version of Big. And yes, the story is fairly disposable. But gosh, if Garner doesn't somehow pull it off. I know. But I had never realize that it's the same thing as big but it is the it same is. thing as big i watched big for the first time months like a few months ago it's good yeah it is good yeah i enjoyed it i thought i really liked the empty apartment i don't know <laughs> i haven't seen it in a really long time There's, he like buys an apartment in the city mm-hmm. but he doesn't have furniture other than like little boy furniture oh my so God. he's got a trampoline in the soho loft apartment it's completely empty uh-huh. i enjoyed that yeah And then our second opinion is from Keith Phipps of (laughs) AV Club. 
He says, apart from the moment where Garner unselfconsciously flirts with a 13-year-old boy, <laughs> the film is pretty much devoid of comic spark, and though it seems to have sweet intentions, it keeps sending mixed messages. I mean, I don't even know if I agree with this man. I just wanted to get some variety in here, yeah. you know? I mean, that's certainly true. And the same same thing with Big. I mean, mm-hmm. Big gets really uncomfortable. I haven't seen it in so long that it I don't gets, even know. Yeah, because there's this older woman who oh. is, like, in a relationship with adult Tom Hanks. But you know that on the inside, he's a child. Right. So it's yeah, yeah, super yeah. questionable. Yeah. Um, and then there was a 75% audience score, so 10% higher than the critics' score. And some <laughs> quotes from the people. The, the, <laughs> the Rotten Tomatoes users. Yeah, the yes. Rotten Tomatoes users. <laughs> JM on Rotten Tomatoes. Jennifer Garner is just not a very good actress. Period. Full stop. They should have made Judy Greer the lead, and then this movie would have been funny and charming. <laughs> I just want to imagine that it's Judy Greer writing this yeah. review, like logging on anonymously and writing that. She's like, yeah, I should have gotten the lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the second quote is, yep, good movie. It's suitable to watch with your family. <laughs> That's it. And then there's one more. <laughs> and then <laughs> this really poorly written one that just says, too inappropriate. It says the F word. <laughs> but it's all spelled wrong. It's all spelled incorrectly. Yes. So That's my favorite take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. That's amazing. Yes, I fully agree. Uh, inappropriate is spelled I-N-A-P-R-O-P-R-E-A-T-E. <laughs> inappropriate. Inappropriate. Shout out to that person. Okay. So normally we would do the gossip section right now. However, we have encountered a lot of 2004 uh, in this season. So I figured that instead of talking about the pop culture of the time, I just made a list of all the other movies that came out in 2004 that are relevant to our show. So New York Minute, Sleepover, The Girl Next Door, Raise Your Voice, Mean Girls, White Chicks, and the SpongeBob movie. And Princess and the Popper. So basically, yeah. it was a big year. Like, Mean Girls came out one week. Ella Enchanted. Oh, yeah, and Ella Enchanted. Is that right? Yeah. Mean Girls came out one week after this movie, I'm I pretty think, sure. I think there's even more than that. Like, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, it was a very good year. It's crazy. Yeah. There was something in the air. People, just the the audience and the people creators were there for like a rom-com slash teen movie golden era and this was like the peak of it and then it probably like fizzled out like with twilight that was probably the last thing that was really big Mm -hmm. and that wasn't like an original thing for teens it was like a book you know it it went from like this sort of shit into like the hunger games twilight harry potter got bigger yeah because in 2004 the third harry potter came out so Mm -hmm. and that was before things got were necessarily, like, romantic interests. Right, like, right. It was, like, still... Because they were still, like, kids. Like, the third movie is when they turned into, like, teenagers. Yeah. So, it was just a moment. a moment. It was a moment. Um. So, with that in mind, Audrey, what things do you remember about this movie? When's the last time you watched it? When was the first time you saw it? What are your thoughts? I think I saw it for the first time kind of late in the game. Like def- that's how I felt too. Definitely not before 2010. Mm-hmm. So some probably somewhere in high school. Yep. That's my guess. So 2012 to 2015, somewhere in there. And then 
um, yeah, I probably saw it at like a sleepover, some kind of gathering like mm-hmm. that. And I felt like it just, it's not like a classic to me the way I know it is for other people, yeah. which like hurts me a little bit. Yeah. It's just because I didn't watch it early enough. Like I was already, I already had those movies. Mm-hmm. Like we already, they were solidified. <laughs> Um, We're gesturing to the Aquamarine poster in between us right now. (laughs) Uh, But I enjoyed it and like, it's cute. Yes. Yeah. I basically felt or feel the exact same way as you. So I feel like I saw it at like a basement gathering, like mid high school. Um, And I feel like, I feel like Jennifer Gardner's performance is like, really like frantic which makes sense for what it is um but yeah literally every single thing you said same like I know it's a classic for people we just missed this one somehow and it makes me wonder if it's rated pg-13 because maybe that's why we missed it because we didn't really watch pg-13 movies for a while Mm. I I definitely watched them younger than you just because I was younger than you yeah so like you know how that works with older siblings yes but yeah, um, but like, don't let that discourage you. Like we want to love, like we want to yes. bring it to you. Yes, and yes, yes. it's also good because we don't have it memorized. And so we're actually going to have more like. Like some fresh takes. Fresh like we're takes. not just going to be like regurgitating like the BuzzFeed yeah. lists, hopefully. Hopefully. That are <laughs> if we there. are, it's not on purpose. Yeah, we're definitely not doing it on purpose. Um, it feels like we got through this weirdly fast, but I'm sure that we'll have a lot to say. Yeah. So let's. Go watch this movie. Yeah, let's go watch it. It's on a, f- a lot of things. It's on HBO Max. I think it's on Hulu. Yeah. So lots But it of might require like a premium whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, so we'll find out. But we will be back in approximately- um, A tight 90. 90 minutes <laughs> real life and maybe a few 20 minutes. seconds podcast time. So- Maybe um, a few glasses deep. <laughs> <laughs> We're about one half glass deep currently. We've been so talking. Yeah. We will be back. Hope you enjoyed the film. We cannot wait to share our takeaways with you. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Well, people, we've made We're it back. We've made it back. <laughs> it's time for some late night discourse. <laughs> It's 11.30 p.m., and that's okay. We drank almost an entire bottle of wine, but in a chill, cool way, not in a we are getting wasted way. We had Cheez-Its also, you know. 
some carbs. Soak it up. Mix it in. I mean, liquid carbs plus alcohol plus <laughs> carb carbs. Yeah, liquid carbs and solid carbs. <laughs> if we were in one of these movies, they'd be like, oh, honey, you have to get your life together. <laughs> They'd be like, that is not what it means to be 30, flirty, and thriving. No. They'd be like. <laughs> They'd be like, fat girls can't be happy. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's start with the good stuff. Yeah. And some of my good stuff, I- I'm going to describe my good category as like compliments category. Do you want me to start? Mm-hmm. Okay. So first and foremost, the likeness between young Jenna and old Jenna is stellar. So good job casting people. I thought that was very, like, enjoyable. Same for her best friend. I thought they, yes. that was also very good. They did a good job. Maddie and Maddie, a bit more of a reach. But that's yeah. okay. That's okay for the kind of movie that it is. And also, like, there are a lot of people where how they look at 13 and how they look at 30, it's like it looks like a different person. Yeah. And I think for someone like Maddie, it would make sense. Yeah. I think that's what they were thinking as well. Yeah. I have thoughts on that, but we'll come back to that later. Okay. You say some of your good things because – actually, no. I I thought that this was probably the best example that we've seen so far of a movie that is set in New York that actually utilizes it the right way. Like, I thought that all of their on-location stuff was worth being on location, whereas, like, in New York Minute, it's like you could have been anywhere and it would have been the same thing. Like, good use of street signs, good use of talking about directions. Like, it was worth being there. Yeah. it used its location. Yeah, yeah, like the budget did not go to waste. And not in a way that's just like downright offensive the whole time. That's right. New York Minute. Right. <laughs> um I have a lot of other good things, uh, but though they're they just get more specific from here. So why don't you do some of your general good things? Um so the mean girls, the group of mean girls um in the 80s scenes are so elite now. A lot of them are huge actresses. And I yeah. just think that's funny. Ashley Benson was in there. Um, I'm pretty sure Brie Larson was in there. I still don't know who Brie Larson really is. Um, there's just a bunch of them. Also in the Once Jenna is 30, that little ginger girl that she's friends with um, is in Secret Life of the American Teenager. Yes, she is. In the 80s scene, they're... The blonde boy is in Ned's Declassified. Um, that was fun. Yes. It's, it's yes, just, yes, yes. It caused some kind of dissonance in my brain, though, because, because I didn't see this movie in, like, 2004, 2004 or whatever. It, like, somehow in my mind seemed like it was earlier than that. Like, maybe it was yeah. a 90s movie or something. And then, so the fact that, like people from our youth like yeah. things that we watched as children it's just weird it's it's a weird timing thing yes yeah i i get that yeah um the belligerent soundtrack chaotic good is, is what you're saying certainly something to be appreciated although it's like did you really need to use two and a half minutes of vienna right right like that's so on the nose too yeah. But when um, I Want to Dance with Somebody came on, 
It was a moment for we, us. We were harmonizing. We were pleased. <laughs> it's true. We were very easily pleased yes. by that. Yeah, they spared absolutely no expense no. with this. Thriller. I mean, thriller, choreography, and song, the whole thing, multiple times. Yeah. It's basically like the running motif of the movie is thriller, yeah. which is just really, really ambitious. And we were wondering how they were able to pull that off. Uh, we weren't there. We, we proved this. Yeah. Were they friends with Michael Jackson? Like <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> Do I need to specify? <laughs> I have a lot of really specific things that I enjoyed. Uh, one of them is when Jenna shows up to Maddie's house and she's like, I don't know what's going on, blah, 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 blah. And Maddie's like, are you on drugs? Are you high? Are you smoking <laughs> pot? Are you in a K-hole? When he said K-hole, I thought that was funny. So that's something very specific that I enjoyed. I also loved that the editor of Sparkle Magazine looked like a weird, like, Bernadette Peters impersonator. Yeah. We both, the second she came on screen, we were like, is that Bernadette? And it wasn't. Yeah. But we wanted it to be. And you know what thought I also had about the poise editor? I thought he was like a knockoff Tim Curry. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. He's a combination. Okay. This is a reach. <laughs> Take Tim Curry plus the angry little person from Elf. Um, who was like, call me an elf one more like, time. Yeah. That guy. Take those two people. Yeah. And you get the editor mm -hmm. of Poise. Yeah. He did give me Tim Curry, though. Yes. I, he eyes. also gave me that. Yeah. yeah. He has that eyelid thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I absolutely loved the scene like two-thirds of the way through when Jenna's like himbo boyfriend yeah. is trying to do like the striptease we were both like heavily enjoying yeah, which that is scene. funny because that's not something we would normally find no, funny no, like not, not something that would normally tickle tickle us at all yeah but it was just the level of goofy it was really goofy and the posing he was doing was very, like, weird, like, strongman of the 1910s or something. Yeah. And I thought that was funny. And Jennifer Garner was just doing a good job. And I mean, scene, she, she deserves a field of flowers. flowers. Yeah, like, she was, like, like how we predicted in the first half. Without her, this whole thing would have absolutely collapsed basically within the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but she's so, like, borderline improv troupe level committed to yeah. her character yeah. that you never question it. Even when there's whole scenes where um, her best friend is like, I'm going to tell you exactly what you're doing. This is your life. And you're yeah. never like, oh, this screenplay is shit. Because Jennifer's, like, distracting with how good mm -hmm. she is, basically. Yeah, whenever those moments would happen, I'm always like, thank you for that information. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. remind yourself that you are the blank of Poise magazine. It's like, cool. But, yeah, you you get over it really fast. Yeah, because she's, like, reacting as fuck to every single thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, another small detail, the Lisa Frank inclusion. Very good. Um, on Jenna's desk, she's got all this, like, all this J Lisa Frank merch. Yes. That was fun. And I recognized one of the folders from my own use. Yes. I also have to say, in all of the reviews that I read before uh, we did the episode, everyone was like, it's predictable. This movie's predictable. The screenplay is bad. But, like, when Jenna ended up being the person who was leaking all of the information to Sparkle, like... I was shook. Like, I did not expect that. Yeah. And it's kind of 
not even the most overt. Like, you actually have to be paying attention yeah. to understand what's going on there. Yes. Definitely, I don't think I absorbed that the first time I ever saw it. Yes. I was probably, like, too busy, like, eating Skittles and drinking Fanta. <laughs> going crazy. <laughs> going Crazy. Let's get crazy yeah. <laughs> by Hannah Montana plays in the background. That, okay. That's a reference to our Hannah Montana episode if you did. That was the hear. best part of the episode, no matter. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move on to bad? I mean, uh, my I, bad category is not all bad, exactly. I have like three more small. Oh, go for things. it. Go for it. One being that. Um, the place where Jenna's apartment is, is right across the street from a church that I've gone to and we've gone to yes. multiple times. Yes. And that church shows up in other movies. Lady it's in Lady Bird. Bird. It's in, so whenever it's in a movie, I'm just like, you're like, oh, this is like just due north of NYU. Yeah. 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 So it's just kind of like cute. Yeah. Um, the shrimp cocktail looked delicious. Oh my God. Yes. We were like, shout out to me because <laughs> Audrey will fuck up a shrimp cocktail. I will devour it <laughs> in 15 minutes. Yeah. Actually, when we saw that, I thought to myself, I should text mom and tell her to prepare a shrimp cocktail for your doc screening. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Our parents are yeah. hosting a doc screening for the film that Audrey made and I helped with, um, like, a week from now, and it's very it's very small. Oh, it's intimate. It's very small. It's like it's not an acoustic <laughs> sesh with our neighbors, but yeah. it'll be very fun and cute. And I feel like you deserve a shrimp cocktail for all that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, and then finally, it occurred to me at one point when Jenna decided that she was also going to make her own presentation for the redesign of Poise. Yes, that she was a literal girl boss. She is because she's a girl. And a boss. And a boss. Anyway, moving on. Anyway. Okay. So my bad is not really all definitively bad. Um, it's just things that I took issue with, I guess. Um, should I start? Mm -hmm. Okay. So these are in chronological order. I'm just going to run through them. And if you, since there's so many, I'm going to read the sentence. And if you feel the need to comment, please do. Okay. And if not, I will just let the statement hang there. Okay. First of all. Six chicks. That's a lot of chicks in the six chicks. Yeah. That's a big For click. like a popular girl group. Yes. Girl I group. Like, <laughs> I mean, girl click. <laughs> it's like Spice Girls plus one. Uh, <laughs> it's too many. It's too many. Literally name one girl group with six members. It cuts off at five. Always. Yeah. So, okay. I noted that. Um, I felt like uh, Jennifer – well, not Jennifer. I guess Jenna – Gets away with a shocking amount under the guise of being hungover on that first day. Yeah. It's like, no, that's going to get you sent to counseling. Like, that's going to get you <laughs> yeah. at least to HR. That's what I was about to say. At least. Yeah. In a corporate setting like that. Also, like, if you're, like, borderline, like, manic dissociating the way she is, like. Yeah. The perceived, the way they would perceive Yeah, her. like, that's not being hungover. No. That's something else. Like, this is, <laughs> you don't forget who you are when you're, when you're hungover. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, and then I had this thought. Was she on Drag Race recently? Jennifer Garner? Yes. No. Who were the, who were like the phone in Oh, people? it um, was. Anne Hathaway, Anne Scarlett Hathaway. Johansson. Was that it? Um, I think so. I it, think. 
I see why you thought. That- I think that Scarlett Johansson and Jennifer Gardner are like vaguely in the same category mm. in my mind, even though they're not the same. Not actually. They're not the same. But yeah, I could see that. Okay. Um, Audrey and I were remarking on this, but when uh, when Poise throws the flop party, we were both like, yeah, who could possibly <laughs> blame the populace for reacting this way <laughs> when it's Poison Bloomingdale's girls night out party? Like, can you imagine anything more like tacky than that on like a Tuesday? On like a, yeah. Like, no. In this like weird looking ballroom. Weird like enchanted ass. Like, yeah. it reminded me of that venue in Enchanted. Mm-hmm. We gotta watch Enchanted. Yeah, Enchanted is a good one. God, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, and on that note, I know that people love this movie, and I'm not trying to shit on this movie because I know that this is one of like the main things in the movie. But like, a weird woman forcing a group <laughs> dance to Thriller would not revive a weird corporate flop no, party. It I would like, make people run away. I am leaving, especially in New York. Yes. You know, in a fa- in a fashion context, you know. Yes. They are a, <laughs> I guess, high-end. They don't really seem that high-end, It's though. unclear. But, like, you know, let's say they're a high-end magazine. Like, yeah. that person is going to be shunned. Yeah, like, it's not chic. No. It's tacky. Yeah. And which, of course, there's room for in the world. We don't, but I'm just, the context. I just didn't buy it in this context. Yeah, the context doesn't work. Yes. I'm putting a pin in this in my brain, which is movies about fashion magazines in the early 2000s. We will come back to this sort of thing when we do Devil Wears Prada eventually. Yeah. Okay. Um, I fucking, we both were like dying when <laughs> Maddie's girlfriend is like, we were just discussing the possibility of him joining me in the Windy City. <laughs> yeah. We were like, oh, my like, God. It, maybe she moved there, like, two months ago. Like, yeah. that's the vibe I got is, like, she's probably from, like, the Midwest. Like, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Not that Chicago's not in the Midwest. It is. Yeah. Um, But, you know, she's not from a big city. And she moved there, like, two months ago to be a news anchor. Yeah. And now she's, like, somehow dating Mark Ruffalo's character. And then, and then she's, like, the Windy City. She's like, join me in the Wendy's. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah, so that was weird. Um, when you find out that Maddie only has two weeks till his wedding, that's when you know. Huge red flag. Yes, and that's when you know that he's like self-sabotaging beyond comprehension and that he has like a huge like inferiority complex. Yeah. And I hate that. No, like if this movie wasn't a rom-com – this would be like bleak. It would be like a case study, like for like like or, narcissism. Yeah, from Jenna. Yeah, yeah, and, and like codependency. Yeah, yeah, and like that's what it is actually. But it's all under the lens of a rom com. So our like simple minds are just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> our we're simple, like, give us the positive brain like, chemicals. Yeah, yeah, play. I want to dance with somebody. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, but if you like took away all those accessories, it's just like it would actually <gasps> be very like two slow cool. dancers by Mitski, like sad. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it would be good. It would probably be like really devastating. Yeah. But like the film version, like the indie film version film. of this. Yeah, the indie reboot we do in 20 years or something. Like, yeah. <laughs> it would be sad. We could all just we could all just cry together. Yes, we could. <laughs> Put a pin in that as well. 
Um, okay. When they when it's announced that they have to do the redesign of the magazine and Jenna's like, let me make a fucking yearbook. Like, yeah. why is the class of 2004 shoot innovative or good? It looks kind of bad. It looked kind of Cole's catalog. Yes, it did. And like, I could see that working in this context, but like, I don't think she really knew it's so hard because it was 2004 and yeah. and so now like seeing where fashion and visuals are right now, what's in style. It's like this is back. Yeah. All this stuff is currently back. I mean, yeah, he, in a huge way. So my brain's like a little confused. Yeah. It's a little hard to evaluate all of it. Yeah. But OK, like trend cycles aside – her her uh like bulletin boards of the idea were not good looking. Not the best, but her I pitch liked, was good though. Exactly. I was gonna say the pitch was good about like best friend's big sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wrote stuff down about that too. We can come back to all yeah. that stuff because I feel like that's part of like the deep part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um okay. I will say in general, I was like, I feel like really just two more things. Um I was really confused by, like, the wedding timeline with Maddie. Like, because it seemed like two weeks and then a day. I was like, wait. And then there was, like, that weird moment where they were like, it's winter now. But, like, it wasn't actually winter. It was, like, a fake out. I don't know. That was confusing to me. Um, And just, like, my general thing here is, like, the way that this movie just, like, force-feeds 80s nostalgia with, like, Thriller and uh, Love is a Battlefield Whitney. and Whitney and all that. Like, the, all those songs are great and I'm yeah. not complaining. I kind of, like, begrudge 80s nostalgia, but I think that's just because we are younger millennials slash right on the line between millennial and Gen Z. And, like, if I was 25, my age, when this movie came out, It would have been, like, the best shit I've ever seen in my life. And I give this movie its flowers for knowing that it made that impact for people that are, like, 10 years older than me. Yeah. Like, our cousin Marissa, probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. listening, Marissa, hi. (laughs) Like, her demographic, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, you pretty much covered everything for, like, worse. But, of course, we've got the classic nose job comments. Oh, yeah. I put that kind of under the more, like, problematic yeah. area. Even but we've though- covered it so many times that it's, like... Well, it's just very, yeah. like, if you remember, like, I th- at some point we've talked about the Tweevils from the Bratz, like, empire and how there was this weird thing in, like, the early 2000s where, like, plastic surgery was like this weirdly universal punchline and they use that a lot in this movie too Mm -hmm. yeah and it makes a little more sense in this movie at least it's in like a somewhat proper setting for it but like not yeah not really yeah um all right dated problematic (laughs) honestly there was a shockingly small amount of shit that was like actually bad Mm -hmm. there was only one like kind of racist joke which like it was like it wasn't it wasn't it was like when uh maddie first lets jenna up into his apartment because he thinks that she's gonna be like the chinese delivery guy and when she rings the doorbell and he opens the door he's like you're not chinese it's like it's like clearly like a double entendre but it's like so like stupid it's like such like a throwaway but that being said it, like, 
It's a flyover moment. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and it is also the type of joke that wouldn't turn any type of heads in 2004. Yeah, definitely not. Okay, I have something. I have something. So there were like a couple little gay jokes sprinkled mm-hmm. into this movie. The The deepest one being at the very beginning where someone – like, one of the guys on, like, the editorial team of the magazine, he asked the blonde girl on a date with him, and she's like, oh, you're not going to Fire Island this summer? <laughs> and it's like, if you don't know what Fire Island is, it's, like, the gay man destination of, like, the tri-state area, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, in the Hamptons. It's, like, an island in the Hamptons, I think. Um, so that was funny. But really— I actually thought it was okay. I thought the gay jokes in general when this movie were— They were pretty tasteful. Not bad. Well, and this is— I totally agree yeah, with they you. They weren't hateful. Yeah, totally. But yeah. my question beyond that is, or just like a thing to think about beyond that is like, I feel like so many movies of this era have explicitly gay male characters like Stanley Tucci and Devil Wars Prada, mm-hmm. Damien and Mean Girls, the guys in this movie. Like, and it's so interesting, like how they're used in these movies because they are very much like the gay best friend archetype, but like, yeah. Just, Although this one, like, he's a boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you yeah. know what I mean, though. Like, they're not central to the plot. Like, they could no. be there or not. Yeah. Um. And I just feel like that would be super interesting as like a gay boy or like a boy that would grow up to be gay in this era to be like, oh, like, there's my person. They're there. They're uh, there, but they're like making jokes the whole time. Yeah. You know, like, I just think it's interesting that the representation is the way that it is. Or was the way that it was, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it's like at that time, that was impressive, just that. Yes. So, It's also just very, like, straight girl, gay man pairing, like, which is like, we, I mean, we love that pairing. Very GBF. Very GBF. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to point it out. Okay. So now let's move into, I have my notable category, but it's also sort of just like my deep yeah, just category. Deep, deep takes and like, is it worthwhile or not? It's kind of like, for me, it's like wrapped up. Yes. I kind of agree with the guy who said that there's mixed messages in this movie. Okay. Because what is this movie telling you it's trying like these types of movies where it's like future past self that sort of thing they're usually trying to teach you a lesson like there's a very overt lesson yeah usually yeah um but you look at this one and it's like she became a shitty person Mm -hmm. promptly after being 13 or whatever she finds out all the various ways in which she's become a shitty person but look where that got her in life right she was a shitty person made all the wrong decisions you know maybe interpersonally but she has her dream job it's like sort of that like crushing people to get ahead yeah like devil wears prada right but like it's not really following through on that yeah yeah i agree it's like no like your life is literally perfect like what else could you want but it's not really showing that it's like shallow or empty 
50 yeah. per se. Like, yeah, like the, in the parts where she's like, I don't have any real friends, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, well, how do you know that you don't have any real friends? Because you can't remember shit. So you, you don't might. even have like a phone. Like there's no way for you to know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like people can't just hit your line all the time or like they can, but like you don't even know how to pick up your phone. You don't know the relationships. Yeah. She doesn't know what her relationships are. Right. So that um, is a little... Like half-baked. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I kind of feel like one thing that when I was watching this this time around that kind of was rattling around in my brain is that, like, I feel like, for me, this movie kind of brings out this question of, like, what is what is life actually about? Is it about, like, measurable public success where you have – items and a nice apartment and like visible clout or is it about like being proud of who you are deep down and like being in love with like someone who makes you feel good and like we'll get to Maddie in that sense but I just feel like there is no clear answer whether it's like pursuing like professional goals versus like really cultivating like your inner life like what is the win um and that kind of made me think and really the main point that I kind of came away with is like so like at the end when she's like sitting outside the house and she's like having her little emotional breakdown and being like she's she's just tapping her heels together three times is what it is but there's no like cause for it yeah no it's it's true but yeah really to me what what kind of struck me about that is like as much as like we can sit in our lives and like want to know what the right decision is like we're never gonna know what's actually the right thing and like watching her in her adult state but actually just a 13 year old that doesn't know better was like I guess to me, it kind of seemed like the theme of the movie at the end of the day was like honoring your truth to the furthest extent that you can based off of what you know in that moment, which is literally just like your gut instinct. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because a lot of times, like maybe what your 13-year-old self wanted like isn't right. I mean, it's probably not. It. It's that's also an interesting thing. Yeah. Because I feel like in like motivational or self-help type contexts, like a lot of times there will be the sentiment of like, would your 13-year-old self be proud uh-huh. of you or whatever? It's like my th- when I was 13, I certainly did not think about being 30. And I also thought I didn't even think about being 20. Yeah. I didn't even think about being 18. Yeah. <laughs> like I also, we thought it was funny that they even chose 30. Yeah, 30 is a funny age. It's a good title. It's a good article name. I get it. Yeah. Like, but. When she was like, I wish I was 30. Where's the 13 year old that is like, I want to be 30. Yeah, no. Of all ages. Like, I'd be, if I'd be more like 16, like I want to drive or like 18. Yeah. 21. Yeah. (laughs) I want to be 30. Yeah, definitely not. So I feel like there is something also really interesting in this movie about, like, your inner child. And, like, as you were saying, like, would your young self be proud of this? And it's, like, there's no way for you to ever actually be able to look back and objectively know what you wanted unless you have, like, really intense journals or something. Like, 
It's just an interesting concept to try to evaluate your current life based off of what you would have wanted when you were younger. Yeah. And, like, this is something that, like, I've literally, like, written a play about. Like, it's something I've thought about a lot. And it's interesting because it just shows that this movie is also an influence. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, all you can do is just be the best person you can and, like, not sell yourself out. Yeah, because there is some truth to it as far as, like, I mean, 13 is almost a little old, Because so many things have influenced you by then. Yeah. And, like, you're not really – I mean, you're basically – as soon as you have, like, consciousness and understanding – like, self-awareness. Yeah. You are changed. Yeah. Like, you are affected by your surroundings. You're not just literally you with nothing. Yeah. Blank slate. With no condiments. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So – you can't like you. You'll never have. You'll just never have really the perspective. What you should on be it. listening to is like what like your seven year old self. Yeah, would like want. what was your yeah. And it's not about like maybe career ambitions or something. It's just like what would be cool. Yeah, it might not even be like material things or jobs or anything like that because you yeah. don't think about that stuff when you're seven. It's right. just like h- how were you then? Yeah, as a person, like how did you operate? Yeah. That's what is interesting to think about as an adult, not like, yeah, who your crush was or some yeah. shit. I have another thing that I want to bring up, which is it has to do with Maddie. So, okay, I think we can all agree that adult Maddie is like a nightmare person. Yeah. He is like, he literally like leads in in talking about his romantic relationships with being like, yeah, I haven't genuinely felt love or excitement since I was like in fucking high school. 13 or like whatever in high school. So that felt like a red flag to me. But on top of that, so like one thing at the end that really struck me is like when she's like walking out of the house, holding the the house that Maddie made her. And it's like she's holding her dreams in her arms and like, wow, like the symbolism. But then you think about it and you're like, okay, she's always been boy crazy. And she literally had this dream house made for her by a boy who decided that these were the things that she liked. And like, were some of them accurate? Yeah, but like she didn't make it for herself. Yeah, A man was like here's what I have decided that you like and this is how I project onto your interests. Mm -hmm. Let me literally hand you this like physical manifestation of it. And I was just kind of like, it's not hitting This is messy. Yeah, it's super messy. I don't I think it's like interesting to be in a movie. It's just the the problem is that I know there's so many like millions of people who, but it's not really... I don't know. It's hard because it's part part of me is like, it's not a problem. Like, we're okay. Yeah. But if you watched this movie with a different framing, a different context, like, it's literally a nightmare. Yeah. It's a huge, huge nightmare. It's really upsetting. Parts of it are really upsetting. And it's like, okay, if you look at this movie and you're like, this whole thing is like the fever dream of like a 13-year-old, you're like, yes. But a lot of people watch it and they don't view it that way. No, they view it as like, a rom-com with Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo. Right. Which it's, that's not what it is. Yeah. I don't think that's what it is at all. I, not one part of my soul thought, oh, that's cute. And does that make me a cold hearted (laughs) bitch? A cold hearted bitch. Um, I don't care because it's not cute. I'm, yeah, I'm so sorry. It's not. She knew. (laughs) 
she knew what kind of person he was after, you know, he kissed her on that playground thing. He, she knew he had a wedding in two weeks. All this stuff happened. She knew that. A 13-year-old knows what weddings are, yes. understands loyalty, that yes. sort of thing. Yes. Especially a 13-year-old that's, like, binge reading Poise magazine. Like, she yeah. knows. Like, she knows what's between right and wrong. Yeah. You saw what kind of person Maddie was as an adult. Flashback to um, being 13 after learning all these things she's learned while being 30. Decides to, like, attack and kiss him, which was weird. Yeah. And then decides to, like, date him for the next 15 years. Yeah. To get to that point. And then it cuts to them at the wedding. Like, it, the whole ending, I was like, whoa. Yeah. But you know what, though? I was kind of thinking, like, at that very, very last shot when it's, like, her pink suburban house. And she's, like, with him. And they're, like, sitting on the couch being all cute, like, in the front yard. I was like, you know what, though? Like, in terms of, like, your fantasies when you are 13, 14, like, domestic functionality is, like, all that you can aspire for because you don't know better. So it's, like, even just, like, living with someone and having it go well. It's, like, again, if you're looking at it through the framework of this is a 13-year-old, it totally tracks and you're, like, yes. Yeah. But But it's, like, is that – I just don't know that it's that smart. Like, is it that smart? Is it that intentional – it, no, I don't know. It would if it is like that's cool, but I don't think the masses look at it that way. No, just because it's hard to. It's, Ma- a, yeah. it's like no, that is literally not a thirteen year old. That is Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Also, just Maddie's a fuck ass. Like yeah. I don't want to date Maddie. I don't. He was such a cute kid though. Mm-hmm. Like a very like nice boy. He got really J- jaded and weird. Yeah. Yeah. He he seems like. You know, this is pre-YouTube, but he seems like three YouTube rabbit hole binges away from, like, being an incel. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with you. Um, but because he, like, had a career and, like, a girlfriend in high school, he, like, was able to swerve from that. He yeah, was able like, to avoid he, it. Yeah. Yep. But, um, <sighs> and one more thing. I have, like, one more point. Please. Which is that, okay, compared to Big, in the scene where we have adult Tom Hanks, who is inside a child, dating a woman who is his age or whatever. She's an adult woman. It's really confusing to explain that. You know how there's that whole thing of, like, young, you know, girls progress faster, like, mentally than boys. So they're, like, light years ahead when they're the same age. Yes. When you're looking at that Tom Hanks scene versus this Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo situation where they're in the the room right before the wedding happens. Yeah. It's like, you know that Jennifer Garner's 13 inside and Mark Ruffalo is 30. And yet it seems like they're, like, operating on the same... Play, like field like it you don't get that like deep cringe yeah that yeah. you do when you watch big and it's just something to watch out for i'm like that's just i i don't <laughs> I it doesn't sit right with it doesn't you sit right with me because it didn't hit me and like we are ingrained to be okay with like older man younger woman yeah. more so than the opposite yeah definitely by a long shot yes so yeah it just it just strikes you differently yeah in this society 
we live in a society. So <laughs> even with all these things said, like, I don't not like this movie. Same, but I, it but made us think a lot of things. It did make us think a lot of things, but I don't love it. No. I think it's fine. I think it's all right. I think that if we had grown up watching it, we would feel much differently about it. Yeah. Especially if it had been in the minivan. Girl. It'd be over. If it had been in that apple orchard box with all the <laughs> other DVDs, who knows? Maybe this poster would have been 13 going 30. But I doubt it because there's a mermaid in this one. Yeah. It needed the fantastical element. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're going to piss everyone off. It's really not personal, guys. It's just like, okay, if you love this movie from day one, like being a child and, and everything, tr- I kind of would recommend like trying to watch it with like the, the eyes, eyes of yeah. somebody who's not watching a rom-com. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of interesting. It's kind of fun to do that. Maybe that just ruins it. If that ruins it for you, then like don't do it. Yeah. But <laughs> so that's what we thought about 13 going on 30. Still love Jennifer Garner. Still had some really fun moments watching it with the music. She's, she's iconic in and this the movie. fashion. And she's iconic. It's a New York City 2004 time it's capsule. It's great. It's great. There's reasons to love it, but when you really get down to the nitty gritty, it's like, what is it's actually a, going yeah, on? Yeah, it's a bizarre story. Yeah. Um, but thank you to everyone who suggested that we do this movie and we enjoyed it. And uh, we took so many notes. We thought so many things. Yes, and we yeah, we have two more episodes of this season. Is mm-hmm. that true? Or three? Two. Two. <laughs> okay. So they will all be together, though. Maybe. Probably. Hopefully. <laughs> At least one of them will be. At least one of them will be. The one with our mother. Yes. So get ready for that one. And uh, until then, we hope you have a sweet, sweet evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time it is where you are. It's it's night. <laughs> it's extreme night for us the here. of night. Yeah. Um, but until then... Uh, Stay 30, 30, and thriving. Yes. So long. (laughs) Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, 
personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.